I felt I was, as if I was in the Granada in Granard in County Longford. And I do have a guest for Granard Connections. I'll let you in on that secret later on. I do have a guest with uh, Edgestown Connections as well. I do have a guest with um, Westmead, not Columber, Liss Ryan, over that way, Connections. And I do have a guest with Connections to the Zoo. So later on in the programme, we'll be talking to Danny Gill, um, an amazing uh, author, writer and uh, creator. We'll be talking to Jerry Creighton. Uh, Jerry is uh, brought up by a zoo, it's the name of his book, and he's had been, been headhunted all the last couple of weeks uh, to chat to him. We'll be talking to Rosie Bowles from the uh, Atlone Art uh, Gallery, and we want to say hello to a few people who are sick at the moment. Uh, well, they're not sick. A few people who um, have uh, exhibitions on Fernhill and um, uh, the Balcony Calf. And uh, hello to Vivian and Eugene, and hello to Jerry Jago too. In studio, I have the Granard Connections. Yes, do you know who that is? No, listeners. Well, it's Julie Sharkey, all the way from Balhadreen in County Roscommon. Julie, you're welcome. Thanks, Ursula. Delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. All the way from Roscommon. All the way from Balhadreen, down the road, not too far away. Yeah. Um, I suppose, Julie, to be fair... Uh, when I do say you have Granard Connections, you have yeah. Granard Connections and I would have went to school with your uncle. Yes, yeah, yeah. Small My mum is from Granard, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other part of that is I would have met you in that famous historical drama musical. In the midst of plenty, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you were brilliant, Ursula. You were, you oh, were no, a great no, support, and yeah, thank you for for all of that. It was great. But I mean, it wasn't amazing. It was. It was. It's it's pretty special. Yeah, it really is. I, they they're rare when they come along, and it really does feel like it took us all by surprise. And I think the fact that it kept coming back, and people were I've I've never really experienced such crowds and such genuine feeling and heart and emotion uh, response to it. So um, it had everything you see. It had yeah. It had the story of the family, the real yeah. life true story of different families. Yeah. It had families against one another. Absolutely. Yeah. It had everybody had their their distress in it. Yeah. And and I suppose it told both sides of the story. Yeah, it did, yeah. The singing was yeah. amazing. Yeah. The stage, I, 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 was, I was in the audience. I know. <laughs> the, 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 the stage was amazing. Yeah. Everything was amazing. Yeah, it was. It was, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was all of that, you know. Like, um, I loved being from Roscommon, that it was a Roscommon story. It's about the eventual assassination of Major Dennis Mahan at Strokestown Park House so it's it's very very firmly based and set in Roscommon and I think that was brilliant and it was lovely to have Roscommon people involved in it and Strokestown Park House behind it so so prominently and so supported from the Heritage Trust and all of that um, and also that it's it was a from a woman's perspective which was a very unusual thing actually in theatre and certainly in musical theatre um, I, m- I remember Amy Day, the writer, she would say at the very early days, she said, I wanted to do, write a, a kick-ass musical for a middle-aged woman. <laughs> so um, uh, so she did it and it was um, it was something else. Yeah, something, something else. else. Well, I didn't bring you, I didn't invite you in here today to, to talk about In the Midst of Plenty, but yeah. I don't think we could carry on without recognising what yeah. an amazing part you played in it yourself as well. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit, and I'm called Amy. Yeah. An Aunt Called Amy is my own play. It's a, a play that I've kind of been working on for a little while now. I was 
artist, theatre artist in residence here at Roscommon Arts Centre a number of years ago. And while I was there, I started to write two plays, a children's play and then a regular three-act standard play. Um, The children's play is called An Ant Called Amy and the other play is called Chicken Wings in Peace. Um, So the inspiration from an aunt called Amy came from the loss of my brother. So a number of years ago, we lost my brother tragically. And he had two young children at the time, two and one. And I suppose it got me thinking about how a young child or a young person might begin to comprehend grief and um, deal with it, maybe, but comprehend it. So that's that that's where the that was the I suppose the impetus to write an ant called Amy so in my little story we meet this little ant called Amy who is missing her brother Andy and I suppose she's working so 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 hard to forget and to not think about him until she gets locked out of the ant till one night and she finds herself in the forest where she's confronted by her supposed arched enemy the arch enemy the uh, brown spider who isn't a bad person at all, a bad spider at all, turns out to be very nice. And the brown spider gently nudges her to kind of face face her 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 fear and her everything and and gently nudges her to find Andy in the everyday. So right from the get-go we learn that um we hear that Andy loved leaves. Every leaf has a story, Amy, if you slow down to take a look. So at the very end she finally starts to lift her head and look at the leaves and look at the beautiful forest she's in. So so that's that's the play, my little play in Ant called Amy. And it's a co-production with Roscommon Arts Centre, who've been unbelievable. Um, and we were to take it into full production during when before just before COVID. And then of course COVID came. So and lockdown. And um we we're very fortunate then to secure a little bit of funding from Roscommon Arts Office to and Creative Ireland to make a beautiful short film of this story. So, not like... Sorry, Arsa, I'm talking an awful lot. You're sorry. not. <laughs> You're here to talk an awful lot. <laughs> it would be a very bad programme if I was doing all the talking. You know, up on, on uh, Facebook and on social media, yeah. there's little um, videos of different parts of an ant called Amy. Right. Is that what you mean about the film? Well, the film is is the full show. Oh, is it? Yeah, the show is, is just a short show. It's only 30 minutes long. So, no, it was a, it's a proper short film. And oftentimes, you know, it's something we always want to do. When, when we're doing a play, we yeah, always go, God, we must, we must get a video yeah. of this. And yes. that usually means someone standing at the back with their phone. But this was a different thing. We, ha- we worked with an incredible Roscommon filmmaker uh, called Emma Brennan who you might know very well she's she's incredible and she came in with us and we started kind of the first day we'd got nothing right because we, we didn't know what the, how to do it correct we had camera set up here and another one set up there but we just discovered Emma discovered that the best thing was to use a little gimbal which means you can sit the camera up on it and it's you can move with it and it's a steady cam sort of and so it's it was beautiful up close. The, we re, we relit it so it wasn't like for a standard stage theatre lighting. So it's effectively a beautiful little short film, and that became used or was used then for a number of um, festivals online, availability online, and stuff like that. Um, 
Anyway, Heal of the Hunt then, last year we came back and we brought it into full production and we toured it to nine venues during October last year, again with Roscommon um, Arts, Arts Centre as the co-producer there. And um, and then on the back of that then, we were invited to Babaro, which is a great... Um, thing it's really lovely because after the tour we met and we were going well what can we do now what what should we do now will we tour again and I kind of said you know I'm not really sure I would, would like to do that I'd love to just get it a lovely platform where international eyes or other creative eyes can look on it who uh, who would be lovely to collaborate with and so um so here in Ireland Babaro is that place because that's the International Children's Festival of Ireland. So it's a lovely, small, curated festival with companies from all over the world and, of course, a number of Irish productions. And so we got in touch with them and they very kindly have invited us. So that's where we're headed in October. Oh, I was going to just say that. October, what date's in October? We're there on the 20th, 2021 and 22. Okay. It's a Friday, Saturday and Sunday in Antaiviark. Okay, and is it on during the day? Um, it is. It's on during the day. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it is. And we need to book in advance. You do book in advance through Babaro, the Arts Babaro International Arts Festival. Yeah, it yeah. sounds. It's a, well, I mean, I've seen the the, the pieces on social media. And it yeah. sounds amazing. Yeah, it looks amazing. And it's a delicate little piece. And it's you know that's I, I've been. Um, working closely with the play therapist because I was very keen to kind of do a little pre-show something in the schools so that the teacher or a parent or a guardian or an adult who's bringing young people to the show would have a little sense of what it is in case I don't certainly don't want anybody to be in a position where they're going oh my gosh this is a little bit about sibling grief and I haven't just to prepare themselves maybe um it's a fun tale it's entertaining there's nothing traumatic or there's no grand truths uncovered or anything like that it's It's a a sweet gentle tale yeah and at the end then in Babaro at the end of each show they'll get they'll be able to there'll be a little question and answer session so the audience will be able to ask ask questions of uh, what age did you say it was for again six to eight or sla yeah six to eight Could, could could I say I'm just maybe seven and a half I'd like to be able to go to it. Uh, <laughs> it sounds... Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny. The play therapist, you know, was very wanted to know that very much because she said that's a really good age because at that age, a child has a greater understanding of... Not a greater understanding, but somewhat of an understanding of the permanence of grief. Whereas three, four, that age... I hope I'm not speaking out of turn now, but people who know these things probably know these things but they they have less of an understanding it's it the, the imagination comes more into play and it's a different kind of thing so okay. so um so that's our age six seven eight yeah now julie yeah what we should have really done was before um let me introduce you <laughs> you're from um bella Hadrain. yeah you were always in the arts. You always wanted to be an artist. No, or? not really. Like I guess I mean I went to school in Balhadrine. We didn't have any drama classes or anything like that. I always wanted to be a nurse. That's what I always wanted to be. And if I wasn't doing this, I'd be a nurse. I know it's a crazy hard, um, stressful job now, but I think it's a very noble and uh, great job. But um, yeah, I just always had a figari for for it. I, I mean, I remember, I remember even as a kid or a teenager when I read the word drama or read the word theatre I used to be like, oh, that sounds great. We did one musical in school in third year Calamity Jane and uh, I remember feeling absolutely at home and right there. So in my leaving cert then 
I was all about the nursing and I just happened to ring the Gaiety Theatre and said, how do you do, how do, you do acting? And uh, <laughs> that was back in ni- 1990, I think. And um, they said, well, there's two places you can, there's the Gaiety School of Acting or Trinity. So I applied to both and got the Gaiety, but I also got nursing. So I went off to do nursing in Galway, except I um, uh, had a change of mind and then uh, got back in touch with the Gaiety and they said, Yes, your place is still here. Come and join us. So I did. Yeah. So that that that's that was me after. after I must say, the rest is history. The rest is history. <laughs> the rest is history. So, yeah. So you do acting. Yeah. Writing. Yes. Producing. Yes. That's good. That's three out of three. Lots of narration <laughs> and voiceover. Voiceovers for ads and and things like that. So so yeah, you have to have lots of strings to your bow. And I teach a lot of a lot of drama. Do a lot of drama facilitation. I worked with the HSE for about twenty years when I lived in Cork. Um, so I work with um, I suppose I worked in a place called Saint Rayfields in Yall, which at the time was a residential unit for people with intellectual disabilities. So I'm really involved in arts and disability. I absolutely adore it. We made incredible friends and incredible connections and we made incredible stuff films radio document soap operas um with the residents and staff sometimes but they we competed in festivals and um had screenings of our films and traveled we had our own arts festival in y'all that we 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 set up because we had been involved in the irish performing arts festival which i'm sure people will be familiar with in that field so that's um, a competitive festival for people with intellectual disabilities um, but uh, which we did really well in I'm very happy to say but we always felt that um, if for example one of our beautiful clients if we if if she made it to the stage that was achievement enough so we just didn't feel like we thought the competitive element of it was a bit yes. gammy yes. so we said you know something let's do our own and let's just invite groups at that time was from all over Munster to come and just have the crack sing just a song enjoy. enjoy it so that we did that for a number of years as well so um, and then when I moved back to Dublin then um, I started work then with Daughters of Charity and St Michael's House same thing but um yeah, so I'm very, I'm very passionate about it, and uh, um, and, and lots of work in nursing homes with the older age as well. Um, I worked with Catherine Sheridan, who runs the Roscommon Youth Theatre here, yes. on her incredible project, which was called Ignite the Spark, which was a lovely intergen- intergenerational project. We had six residents from the Sacred Heart here, and six um, youth theatre people and we paired them up and over a couple of months we the the groupings those two the couples uh, one older one younger bright sparks and what do we call the other one I can't remember dazzling sparks and we just had the most beautiful time of creating artwork theatre work stories um, oh, it's lovely really lovely and I suppose as well uh, as um, that when you have the older person and the younger person yeah um each one learns from the other. Oh gosh, a hundred percent. Yeah, it, without it actually being a school exercise. Yes, 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 yes. Oh God, yeah, definitely. Just a communal. Yeah getting together and yeah yeah and that was all kind of coming out of lockdown as well so the, I mean the Sacred Heart were incredibly supportive all of their um, their care workers incredible and all the Zooms going on and people learning about how to Zoom in and Zoom out and uh, it was great yeah re- really lovely so um, 
Yeah, so, so, so you have to have lots of strings to your bow, I guess, in this job, but it's a smashing job. So it's so varied, and the people you meet are just wonderful, but it's not for the faint-hearted. I mean, when no. I was in the Gaty School, our um, administrator at the time uh, was uh, Richard Cook, who went on to set up the Kilkenny Cat Laughs and a number of things, but he would have always said, don't fall into the Bewley syndrome don't fall into the Bewley syndrome which would be to go to Bewley's and read a book all day he just kept saying get making it make the stuff make the stuff make the stuff so so we always did that and Junie can I just ask you yeah um, I could say this. I could sit and listen <laughs> Sorry, to you all day. I'm waffling on you. You're not waffling on. I'm really enjoying. I'm sure the <laughs> listeners uh, send me messages to tell me that you're enjoying Julie uh, chatting this afternoon. Uh, I could sit listening all afternoon, and, and just the way you move, it just yeah, it's your 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 theatre, your drama, uh, and I don't mean that in a bad way. What's what's coming up for you, Julie? Um, what's coming up? Well, Barbara, obviously, Barbara is an is in October, and then. A number of us had a wonderful arts festival in Balahadreen this August and it kicked off with the production of um, Big Maggie that I directed with about, with 11 cast from Balahadreen. Oh, right. And it was absolutely brilliant and it ran for three nights in Nathie's Hall, Jammers, it was great. But it has been invited to the Westport Town Hall Theatre and it's on there the 1st and 2nd of December. So we will be back into the rehearsal room next week, I'd say, um, to get that back up in shape again. So that's that's going to take us to the end of the year. Yeah. And where did you say you are bringing it? Westport Town Hall Theatre. Yeah. 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 That sounds amazing, and I'm sure the people of the your, your cast, your your fellow actors and actresses yeah. uh, from Balahadreen, yes, it'd be uh, you know a time to come back together. Oh community. God, unreal! Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Because within the within the acting world, it's a community. It sure is. Yeah, a big family, you know. Yeah, yeah, it sure is, and it's been a while since there was a show like that in in Balahadreen, so it's lovely to do it again. And and the festival, like people just turned out to see the shows after shows. There was things on all day. It was a long festival, the full week, but people were just are ju- were just craving to be out and be doing stuff. And um, yeah, it was a lovely, positive little injection for for Bala, uh, for sure. And the other thing, listeners, uh, we didn't add into Judy's CV is she's also a beautiful singer. Oh, well, now, I definitely wouldn't say that. In the midst of plenty, the singers were there. I, I was definitely... Uh, oh, no, no, don't argue with the, with the audience. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the audience well, is right. Well, oh, it was powerful. Yeah, well, now... Would you, would you consider sing, uh, being at a singing session and being part of the stage, or is that... Uh, turn it down. Well, that was the first musical I ever did. Like, yeah, like I mean, Amy, Amy said, you know, she wanted an actor for the role of Bridget, she because she felt a, a musical performer will will sing a song beautifully, but she wanted because it was such a grueling, uh, yes. uh, whatever role, an emotional role that she just needed. She she said, I, I want an actor. So it wasn't a singing yeah. role. Yeah, 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 for sure. You didn't stand on the because stage it's, and sing. there's great emotion with yes. the singing. So yes. um, anyway, that was that was her taking it. <laughs> Julie. Uh, it's been a pleasure. I've been for a oh. long time trying to get you in on the oh, arts programme. thanks, Ursula. What a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank yeah. you for joining us on the arts programme. Um, an aunt called Amy. That's right. It really, even the name of it just... Yeah. Uh, it, it, it has me... Um, besotted yeah. and from what I've seen of it it has me besotted and if you can do one for an older person maybe somebody in their older age maybe <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be an aunt what would it be 
<laughs> a grand aunt. <laughs> <laughs> lovely. <laughs> oh, God, that's lovely. There is a bit where she, she wins an award and she says, I'd like to thank my parents, obviously, who always <laughs> believed in me. So maybe the, the grand, the grand aunt's lovely, <laughs> lovely. Um, well, when you're, when you're doing the grand aunt one, you won't have to, I won't have to ring you. You'll ring me and say, oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm on my way in. Can I wish you all the best? Thanks, uh, Ursula. At the festival. And the name of the festival again is? Babro. B-A-B-O-R-O. Babro International Arts Festival. Children's Festival. Yeah. Okay, and it sounds amazing. Yeah. Wish you all the best Thank with you. Uh, Big Maggie as well. Thanks a million. And you're welcome back in your seat on the arts programme anytime you want to come Oh, in. God, yours. Thanks a million, Ursula. Thank you for having me. Can I just say, uh, that is Julie Sharkey and uh, Babaro, an aunt called Amy. Uh, just Google it. It really is worth seeing. And uh, look, I really would love to go to it myself. I'm so impressed by just watching what's on. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of minutes and we will be talking to uh, Danny Gill. Welcome back to the arts programme. I've got a few messages in there saying about Julie that they could listen to her all day. So... Um, um, and, and so could I. I am absolutely thrilled and delighted to be chatting with our next guest. Uh, let me just get her on the line uh, with uh, Marie Edgeworth Connections. Let me find her here. Yeah. Hello, Danny. Hi, Ursula. This is Danny Gill with uh, Marie Edgeworth, Connect- Edgeworth Connections from originally Edgeworth in County Longford, now from Galway. You're welcome to yes. the Arts Programme. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, um, you're coming to the Arts Centre in Roscommon. But before we get to there, let me go back. We were chatting the other day and you were telling me that you spent your life in the library in Edgerstown. I did. I grew up in Edgerstown and uh, I became a member of that library when I was five. And I loved it. I mean, I was in there every day I could be and the librarian was amazing. And I, I definitely think that that life with books began then and you know most writers are big readers so it was a huge huge thing for me and continued to kind of be a passion i love libraries okay and you have a connection with marie edgeworth marie edgeworth was from edgerstown uh, the manor in edgerstown and uh, you have a connection with marie edgeworth haven't you i do i won i won <laughs> my first poetry competition as part of the festival when I was in primary school so I remember that I remember reading it and I got an award at the time um, and that festival I suppose has gone from strength to strength and there's has. a huge international lens on it now yes. which is brilliant yes they had the festival was on there what about two two months ago maybe three months ago time yes. flies when you're trying to think of time but uh, yes an international flavour to the festival and um I, I might be wrong in saying a week long but it certainly was five days long festival um, for a small little town in the middle of Ireland it really has a uh, great history and of course Oscar Wilde's sister is buried there as well Yes, yeah mm-hmm. Now Danny, tell us, uh, you're coming to the Arts um, Roscommon Arts Centre but before we get there um, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, how you got into um, art, writing, directing performing I don't know, do you sing Danny? Yeah, <laughs> I have. I do. I have a few strings to my bow, and I, have a good I few. Sometimes it's confusing. Um, and my mother actually frequently says, "Danny, what is it that I say that you do?" Because um, there are there are a number of things going on. Um, I suppose I was an early reader and a lover of books, as I was saying in the in the library. And I was kind of always writing and a big big reader and into that. And after college in Galway, I started working at the Galway Arts Centre and. I worked there in literature primarily. I was the director of Cork International Festival of Literature for six years, so obviously that was kind of 
big influence and a big time for meeting a lot of writers and being among that kind of atmosphere. And um, I've also worked in film and theatre and performing arts and I program I program festivals and uh, for venues and I'd have a big interest in, in outreach as well. I've done a lot of community development work and I've done some teaching, creative writing teaching. So the new book, Lessons and Kindness, is my second collection. The first came out in 2017. Um, it was called After Love and it was made into a full stage production. It debuted at the Galway Arts Festival in 2021, came back earlier this year. So that was made into a short film and a play. And, a play. and can I just and ask you there, can, can we see that? Can we look up that short film? Yeah, if you go online and you just type in, now there's another, I think there's a feature length film by the same name, but if you type in my name and that title, you should be able to find it. It's only about two and a half minutes long and it features the title poem of the collection. Okay, and the name that is, uh, give me that. After Love. After Love. Yeah. Okay. Right, it's, uh, hard to keep, it's hard to keep up because you have so many strings to your bow. Your mum is right. <laughs> you can tell her you heard it on the radio so yet your mum is right <laughs> okay after love and yeah so then the newest book is Lessons in Kindness and that came out this April and um, was dedicated to my grandmother so it's been doing pretty well so the, the workshop I'm doing in Roscommon is related to that collection it's kind of a creative writing workshop but it's also really a discussion kind of a workshop people who've done it who have no experience of writing and it's kind of designed that way I'm not necessarily designing it for people who are writers it's very accessible and uh, I'm hoping that whoever has already signed up and maybe other people who listen to this and might sign up you don't need to have any experience with poetry or writing to do it it's very much using the themes of the book as a kind of a jumping off point for discussion and this is open to any age group yes okay that sounds really, really interesting. And that's coming to the Roscommon um, Arts Centre in October. Yeah, it's uh, this Saturday, actually. Well, I'm doing two. I'm doing a Raise Your Spear workshop later in the year in yes. November in, in the Arts Centre. And then this Saturday at, at 12 noon, 12 noon till half one. You're so right. kind of lunchtime. Yeah. yeah, 30th of September, 12 noon. And um, ideally, people would book in advance. So you, so yes, yeah. please. Yeah, if you're listening and you're interested, get in touch with the Arts Centre there and uh, they'll give you more information. That sounds really, really interesting. Um, and then your, um, your Raise Your Spear, which is coming to the Roscommon Arts Centre in, in um, November. Uh, that's a workshop designed for young people and it's based on my poem Raise Your Spear which is a poem for allyship and in the workshop people will do creative writing with me but they'll also be customising spears um, with engraving pens and tape and ribbon and that kind of thing so it's a mixture of craft really and writing. And where does your where does your grow you know what so what what takes you what how do you come up with with your subject how do you um you know are you walking along the street and you see like leaves or something yeah. you think or you see something on the television injustice yeah. well there is like there's definitely inspiration everywhere i suppose my books definitely are coming from my life experience i mean as armani really but because it's poetry and it's not fiction, I'm not really kind of dressing things up what okay. you see on the page. It's kind of what you, 
what you understand to be, you know, true. It is kind of quite true to life. So I suppose I've always been focused on on that, and um, and the latest book is, is no different. It's it's dedicated to my grandmother. And um, why your grandmother? She was a very big influence on me. Um, she features in my first book. There's a series of poems for her there. She was diagnosed with a very rare degenerative brain disease um, when I was writing my first collection. And she was going through a lot of changes in her identity and I was going through those as well for different kind of reasons. So she was in the first book and um, she passed away in 2021. And I was kind of coming towards the final part of this current collection. And obviously her death was was massive for me. You know, I think... um, Gran, as most people will kind of identify with, I suppose she was such a big matriarch in the family and I was very lucky. I guess I was the first grandchild, one of the first grandchildren in the family. My mother was the oldest girl, so I had a long time with her. You know, I got to know her like for 34 years, which was amazing. And um, so the collection is dedicated to her and I guess it discusses female relationships. So she's in it, my mom is in it. Um, my partners are in it, you know, so it's kind of crossing all of those lines of female relationships and, and identity, you know, in different eras. And I guess with, um, you know, with my grandmother, like she was a very, she was a very feisty kind of atypical kind of a woman, you know, um, she really, she really lived life and she loved life and she was a big inspiration for me. And uh, I'm in my studio now today and uh, she's, on my desk I have a framed photo of her on my desk so she's always kind of close still Isn't that lovely um, um, I read and sort of heard at different um, uh, conferences that um, your ancestors influenced you from seven generations back and mm-hmm. I mean you're talking about what is it two generations back your granny is still with you and you knew her and you were very privileged to know her and that yeah. do influence seven generations forward, even though you may not have children, you do influence. Yeah. You know, that's amazing. And that I'm is ju- amazing. Mm. And I'm just sitting here thinking about my own family and thinking of who, because of you bringing up your grandmother, who would influence me in my generations yeah. going back. And it is a subject, I suppose, that we should, maybe we should all look at, because... Yeah. Um, to look inside ourselves and to look at our family rather than looking I would maybe be um, accused of looking outside a little bit more than inside mm. so I've learned something from you Danny I'm going to go home and look at my my, my uh, ancestors lovely lovely yes. well definitely like they have a, a legacy and it's a living legacy and a lived one too you know but I suppose with um, you know my grandmother I'm interested in kind of female identity I suppose I'm, I'm with Gran when she passed away um, and I was reflecting on her life I was also kind of reflecting on who she was as a woman outside of her being my grandmother you know and that was a very interesting exercise because I think women you know traditionally especially in those times she was widowed quite young in life so she raised you know a big family by herself and you know but um, I think like she carried an awful lot and women do carry an awful lot and I think that's something you know amazing things can come out of that sacrifice but I think I wanted to kind of honour her as well in the work and and dedicate the book to her. She was very uh, she was very proud of me. I know that, and um, she was big into she was big into books. My grandfather would have been too, so she was kind of quite proud to have a writer in the family. So, yeah, she was proud to have a writer that being you. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, you just said she was widowed at quite a young age and she left a family. And when you were talking there, I was thinking more that women of that generation tend to work inside the home. Mm. Uh, but being widowed means you had to take on both. I didn't intend yes. to have this conversation with you, Danny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she had to take on both roles. And mm. as a as a woman, she had she obviously, from the way you talk about her, took on both roles really well. Um, yeah. And I can see how that would influence anybody to look at their grandmother and see, could, could I measure up or how could I measure up to, to this lady? Absolutely. And, you know, all of the things that were kind of very common then that are, you know, still common now, but treated very differently, you know, like miscarriage, death in infancy, all that kind of stuff. You know, she experienced those things. And back then there was also very little talk of those things. Support. And yeah, and I think that, you know, all of those women went through that time and carried that, you know, and I think um, we're living in kind of a different society now where there is a little bit more time and space, still maybe not enough, but some time and space given to that, you know, but um, she was phenomenally strong and she had a huge uh, sense of humour, a brilliant sense of humour, and I loved that about her, you know, right up until her death, she could still laugh and... Um, that's amazing it's an amazing trait she was very resilient so I suppose a lot of the collection is about learning lessons in life and you know we all definitely <coughs> learn from our loved ones and I can see now where your influences are coming from uh, particularly uh, talking about women and how they have had to live their lives and again from your grandmother um, she actually sounds like somebody I should have on the programme <laughs> well, the way you chat about entertaining for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she sounds very, very entertaining, and, and and I'll have to go back and look through your poetry again and sort of see. I know you had different sayings up, um, but was one of her sayings "Say what you pay"? Have I got that say right? It. Say, uh, say what you pay. Say what you pay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I've seen that someplace where um, anyway let me go back to this you're coming to the Roscommon Arts Centre um, and the first one is um, this Saturday I didn't realise it was this Saturday I I seem to think it was um, a couple of weeks away but anyway it's this Saturday we need to book in advance and um, it's on during the day it's on did you tell me 12 o'clock yes 12 o'clock and how long is it for an hour and a half an hour and a half and that is um, learning to um to write or, or exploring how to write poetry, stories? It, yeah, well, not really. not really. I mean, I get people <laughs> I get people to write during the session, but it's really discussing the themes of the collection. And people do write. I ask people questions and I ask people to reflect on particular things relating to the themes of the book. So some people who have participated have chosen to write responses in a sort of poetic way other people kind of write in a more factual way it's more kind of about discussing the themes and using the poetry as a jumping off point I suppose I really want poetry to be accessible and I think a lot of the time people think that it's not for them or that they can't do it or that it's you know requires a certain level of education and I really kind of do my best wherever I can to erase that idea because I think we all can engage with poems and poetry and it's often about 
what you understand from it, you know, or feeling and stuff like that. So the session is kind of a discussion session, really, with the book. So for that reason, you can be a writer and non-writer. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Um, well, what actually strikes me there, though, is it's, it's a um, couple of hours in the afternoon to uh, step out of your my comfort zone and look at the world through your words and um, maybe a time to explore. Yeah, definitely. And like a little bit of a reflective space. I yeah. suppose I've done a similar workshop now a couple of times this year and people really enjoyed them. And I suppose it's about trying to kind of, like you're saying there, having a moment to reflect. You know, a lot of the poems are quite meditative, especially the poems in the last sequence of the book. So it's kind of about trying to give people time and space to think about the themes of, you know, identity, learning, who have been the influences in your life, that kind of a thing. So I think it's, you know, people seem to enjoy it as an experience and it is very open. So I would say if there is anyone listening who feels like maybe doing something a bit different for a few hours on their Saturday, do think about coming along because that's what it is. It's kind of an opportunity for you to reflect and hopefully maybe find something in some of the poems. I read some of the poems from the collection as part of it. But, um, you know, it's about trying to kind of see, you know, do people relate to certain things that are in them and having a, a chat about that. I, I see it as a, pass- a fascinating afternoon, so I do. Um, it, it definitely is a, a way of stepping out. Uh, Danny, I'm really sorry, we're out of time. Yeah, I'm a talker. Sorry, no, I, actually, no, no, no. I invited you on the program. <laughs> you see, that's the that's the thing. Because you're a talker, you're able to uh, explain some of the things that maybe we are not able to open up our minds to. I wish you all the best on Saturday. Thank you. Uh, I Thanks. really think that's a, 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 an interesting uh, afternoon in the uh, Roscommon Arts Centre. And uh, then later on, the... Um, raise your spear. I think that'll be another interesting afternoon for, for the younger generation. Danny, we'll catch up with you sometime in the future. Thank you Thanks, so much. Sir. Thanks a million. Okay, bye. Thank you. That, that was uh, Danny Gill. Um, Danny Gill, uh, author of uh, Re- Re- Lessons, um, Lessons in Kindness. And uh, she has many other books. She's worth looking up on social media. Back on air, I'm telling you, it's a packed programme today, so it is, and I'm absolutely thrilled and delighted to have our next guest on, on, on air. I, I intended to have him on air last week, and um, when he got away from me, so he did. Um, Jerry Creighton, hello. Hi, Sue, it's delighted to be again. Thanks for having me on. I hope you're well. I, I am delighted to have you on, and, and I'm sorry we were about a minute late, but... Um, it's hard. It's hard to keep up sometimes. Jerry, uh, CEO of Global Elephant Care. Yes, that's it. That's what I is, is a career that I started uh, many years ago. But I actually only officially started off my own business two and a half, three years ago. And let me explain how I got to that point. Um, obviously, um, you know, I've, I've just released my my book. That's where um, I was going to called, jump in and say, let's start at the beginning. Um, you were yeah. brought up by a zoo. Yeah, I was brought up by my father, obviously a mother. But my father um, was 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 a, the the general curator at Dublin Zoo. But he started as the line keeper and worked his way up. But as a young boy, um, you know, I used to go. We we lived quite local in, in Stony Bather, and I used to go up with my dad at the weekends from the time I was five, six years old to see him feed the big lions and tigers. And and as a kid, then you used to be able to go into what's called the pet's corner. And you'd be able to help out with the domestic animals, and it was a great, great spawning ground for for future zookeepers. But I couldn't wait to finish school at sixteen, and at sixteen, 
that's what I did and uh, I got out into the zoo and got a, a, and started as an apprentice line keeper uh, looking after the lions the tigers with my dad um, the leopards jaguars um, and then I progressed myself then on to, to eventually becoming a full qualified keeper working with the big cats the apes the elephants then I was promoted to team leader which I managed the section of, of, of the zoo with, with a team and then eventually I ended up as the operations manager of the zoo and you know, one of the things that Dublin Zoo had and which I, which I mentioned well in, in my book um, which is elephants um, you know traditionally elephants were kept in the zoo many years ago for elephant rides in a very confined yeah. old enclosure but we, we, we redesigned we redesigned you know the, the then director Leo Oosterweigel had a great vision for the zoo and we, we worked on creating something very special where we no longer had to go in with the elephants or dominate them um, we, we developed an absolutely incredible habitat for them based on their biology and how they live and how they design, how they move and function. And we had great success and, and, and this success resonated throughout the world and people started asking me to come over and help them and you know, obviously it was difficult because I was leaving the zoo so much but then I, I always had it in the back of my mind that I wanted to be the voice for the elephants. I wanted to do more in, in countries around the world and hence then I set up Global Elephant Care, and, and now I'm working in some of the biggest projects in the world. I'm actually talking to you from the United Arab Emirates, where what? I'm at Alliance Zoo, yeah, and that's what I am, and we're, we're, I'm actually looking after um, nine elephants that were, were, were um, taken in from Namibia because of human-elephant conflict. They were raiding the crops, and, and rather than shoot them or move them on, um, the Alliance Zoo took them, but I, I have to train them, and when I say train them, I train them for veterinary access. Elephants in human care would have a very good diet. So their nails grow long and you have to give them pedicures and you have to teach them to, to present their ear out through a special port so you can take blood. And that's what I do. I specialize in designing these wonderful habitats where the elephant's biology and, and psychology and physiology, everything is taken into account to make sure that they have optimal wellness and the best conditions possible to thrive in human care. Um, Jerry, can I bring it back to you? I want to ask you a couple of questions, if that's okay. Sure. Um, Ireland boxing champion. Yes. Boxing is a passion. It was a passion of mine. I, I boxed from a very young age. I was Dublin champion on n numerous occasions. I was Leinster champion on a couple of occasions. I had three Irish titles. I had a European multi-nations gold medalist. I got to represent my country all around the world. Boxing was a passion. Um, it was a great discipline. Uh, and also, you know, it was amazing. I'm talking in the 80s and that, you know, the troubles in the north of Ireland were, were still quite strong. And we used to go up to Protestant boxing clubs and it was great. It was a sport that transcended any political or, or bigotry or religious divides then. And we'd be sitting up in, you know, a Protestant boxing club on the Shankill Road after coming up from Dublin. And we were embraced in the, in, in the power of sport. And I got to box, you know, with, with the Dublin team. I got to box my first international in, in Wales and met Henry Cooper. You know, I had some amazing achievements through through, through, uh, through boxing, but it was it was getting as I got into my twenties and it was getting more competitive. Um, it was difficult because you know the animals needed me, and the zoo was where I earned money. And then days you got a trophy in boxing. There was no high performance no or support for it. Yeah, no grants or anything like that. So. I decided that, you know, I had to make a decision, was it boxing or was it the zoo? And for me, it was it was a no-brainer. I loved the animals, I loved the zoo, I loved what was happening at Dublin Zoo and how it was progressing. And I wanted to be part of that journey. So 
you know, this is all really well written in the book and it's, it's, it's such an interesting time in Toulouse history. Can I just ask you of a couple, we're running out of time, I have a couple of other questions I want to ask you. Sure. Um, your children, are they interested in the zoo, in zoo life, animal Absolutely. life? Absolutely. Yeah, they're two great kids. Mia is 17, Zach is 12. More so Mia. Mia, um, she's older now. She's been on some jobs with me to, to help me with the elephants. She's got a great passion for them. She's got a great nature. She's got a great understanding. Zach um, is, is a very keen young amateur boxer too. He's doing very well. So he has it all sorted. He's going to be an airline pilot and a professional boxer. Okay. Um, so we, we let that evolve, as they say. He's, he's entitled to have them ambitions when he's uh, that uh, young. And Mia's with the animals. And do you have another child? Yeah, yeah. Mia's doing great. She's been, as I say, on the jobs with me. She's come to France with me recently to help me with some elephants. She's going to come out to the UAE and spend some time with me. And she has a she has a great passion towards animals, great compassion, and you, you know, and, and great empathy. And they they're some key ingredients when you're looking after animals. And can I just ask you, what about Mrs. Jerry? Has she got the zoo? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Leona, um, you know, she she she's a medical secretary, but she's animal crazy. Um, she we had a chimpanzee yeah. Lucy who lived at, at home with us for two years in the house that we were hand raising, and Leona took after. It was no different to have a baby with bottle feeds every couple of hours. We had to have a nappy on the chimpanzee for hygiene reasons. She used to sleep at a cot at the end of the bed. And Leona, Leona, um, I always say, not long after we had Lucy, Leona got pregnant and me, and I blame Lucy because she brought out the, the chimpanzee, brought out all her maternal instincts. <laughs> you heard it on the radio, on, on the arts programme. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Creighton tells how he, how he raised his family. Uh, you you uh, spent time in Mount Joy. <laughs> yeah, I did actually. I was on the right side, but thank you. Yeah, like I got approached by Mount Joy. Yeah, I I got approached by Mount Joy to see could I come down and talk to the prisoners because you now animals is always a very interesting subject. And I said yes, absolutely, I'd be delighted. And I brought down some reptiles with me and and to talk. But anyway, the, the, the governor said, listen, the guys can be tough. They can be tough on you. They might try make fun of you, but please don't react and all this. I said, yeah, of course, it's no problem. So anyway, they went into the room, there was 40 or 50 guys there, nearly every one of them knew me, they were all high-fiving me, how you Jerry? how are you? These are all guys that I'd actually <laughs> lived, in, lived around the local area and guys I went to school with, but I was lucky enough to have some very positive opportunities and it's just a matter of going left or right. I had a chance of going right and they had a chance of, you know, they went left because for various reasons, social, economic, in the, in the 80s, early 80s, things were tough, drugs was a problem in Dublin City. And, you know, but it was amazing. Even the governor said, this is unbelievable. And I I ended up going down for many, many weeks, every week returning to give them different stories and talks about the zoo. And they were bringing me around their cells and showing me their artwork. And, and the governor was shaking his head. He said, this is just fantastic. They connect with you so well. And they got so much out of it. So it was a pleasure to be able to do it. I want to ask you another question. Um, first of all, your book has launched uh, uh, Raised by a Zoo. And I just want to ask you one more question before we finish up. Where did you tell me you are again? I'm in the United Arab Emirates, Aline Zoo, right in the middle of the desert. A red-headed Irishman in the desert gets born for him, loving it. And I'm with the elephant. What's the weather forecast? What's the, what's the weather like? Today, the temperature was 44 degrees. 44 degrees. So, it's unbelievable. But lucky enough, I'm indoors quite a bit with the elephant. I've got a massive big indoor habitat. But it's a great, it's a great journey I'm on. I'm, I'm working in zoos all around the world. I'm also working with Howlett's Wild Animal Park, where we're on the verge of releasing 13 elephants from the zoo, born in the zoo, released to be back to the wild in Kenya. So some incredible adventures, all well depicted on the book. And if I could just tell you, Sula, um, would you believe Gil's, you're the first one that'll notice, Gil's just rang me a few moments ago before I came on air with you, 
and my book has officially been declared a bestseller today and it's number five number five in the bestseller ratings it's come in at which is very significant and very high this such, such has been the support and demand for the book which is well, totally overwhelmed can i just say uh, uh, loads of people have been telling me about the book and that's why i've been chasing you but i didn't realize i'd have to go to you know out to the desert to find you listen you <laughs> we'll catch up with you sometime when you're back in ireland jerry creighton uh, ceo of global elephant care thank you so much for being on the arts program and look forward to catching up with you when you're back in ireland Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Take care. Take care. Thank you very much. Now, wasn't that an interesting story? And it's an interesting book. Uh, I put my hand up and said I haven't read it. Uh, but all the books are interesting. Everybody's story is interesting. And it was uh, raised by a zoo. Our next guest is Rosie Bowles from um, uh, Athlone um, Art Gallery. And um, we were there for Culture Night. And Rosie gave me a few words, uh, uh, which I pre-recorded. Um, I'm going to play that now. I am absolutely delighted. It's culture night. And I'm here in Athlone Art Gallery, the villager in Burgess of Athlone. And I'm absolutely delighted. I have Rosie Bowles with me. Rosie, welcome. Good to see you. Where would we start? Beautiful exhibition here. The name is Local Female Artists. So um, it's our first time to get involved in culture night. And we were delighted that... Westmeath County Council gave us some funding towards the night. Yeah, that's lovely. Yeah. yeah. Um, really delighted that they that also meant that they were um, putting us on their website and doing the bit of advertising or whatever. So all local female artists, quite a few have had pictures in with us before. I'm just looking here ahead of me, Olivia Finn, who does surreal art. She has a very quirky one, dogs. Um, you have to look at it again. You, ha- you have to. So we'll put it up on Instagram. Um, this is Neve Dolby's work. Um, and she's a curator here, isn't she? She is. And beautiful light in that. It's a seascape, beautiful light in it. May has, May Ryan has... Um, Exhibited with us before as well. And I actually um, think she has, Hello. Um, Hi. Hello, how are you? Hi. I think um, May, uh, May has uh, an exhibition coming up in November, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, then Avril Egan, who, um, gosh, I met a long time ago, and suddenly she's doing this fantastic work, has been in UK Vogue, British Vogue, with some of her work. Um, and, and very interesting. I always think kind of Mexican sort of vibe in quite a lot. I don't know. Maybe not that one so much. I can see what you mean. But she's taken on the, the older people. I've seen another painting. Now, that doesn't mean that's only what she does. Yes. But I've seen another one, um, and it was older men as well. I'm just trying to wonder, what's on the legs? Is there a pair of tights? Yeah, that's interesting. Yes, okay, that, that one is on. definitely you worth a further examination. You have to come and see that one. <laughs> one. one here is Claudia Kohler. It's a very uh, space oriented. Yeah, feather. very detailed. Look yeah. at the detail on that feather. Yeah. Again, I'll take photographs of all of this and put them up on the Athlone Art Gallery Instagram page. I suppose you've got 20 pieces here. You couldn't really go through each of them, but you put yeah. them up on your art page. Yeah, we will. So we will for uh, Athlone Art Gallery. And these uh, all female artists. All female artists. This time, all female artists, yeah. And you have another exhibition coming up in six We do. Um, yes, for October 
um, Burgess over the years has always got involved in breast cancer awareness. We're very conscious that that's such an important thing. We're doing um, an exhibition and it's by artists touched by cancer. That's interesting. Yeah. Because, yeah. Artists that have cancer, but also people, family members who have been touched by their artists or their friends. A hundred percent, yeah. And a lot of um, ladies have moved towards art as a way of kind of losing themselves, if you, if you like. You know, it's a stressful time. Um, and just expanding creativity. Um, so that's our next exhibition. Well, I'll be looking forward to that, but I'm, I, I really have to say this one here. There's such a variety, there's such a variety of art, and I'm not sure there's one, but 25 pieces? There is, I'd say so. Yeah, quite, yeah. A, quite a number of pieces. I think, I think it flows very nicely, though. The colours. Neve has cre- curated it very yes. well. I, the colours all, nice. all, all uh, blend yes. all nicely. Yeah, yeah. And, and no two pieces clash with each other either. No, they don't. No, it really works well. So if you wanted to find a Glone Art Gallery? You would go to the centre of a Glone, um, Church Street, go into Burgess and down the back stairs or come from the river up Lloyd's Lane. Yes, the village at Burgess. The village at Burgess. And just while while I'm here, you have space mugs, you have... um, um, We have sushi, sushi. sushi. We have a beautiful bookshop. Yes, we have a hairdresser. We have um, the best uh, lash and beauty lab. Beauty lab, and we have the Danu, which is skincare local. Very local, yes. Um, and Neve yeah. in her um, art framing, picture Neve framing. The, yeah. Oh yeah, Neve the is the centre of it all. Yeah, yeah, and the bookshop as well. Rosie, thank you so much for giving us this time on Culture Night. Thank I know you, it's for everybody. And yeah. then I'll be looking forward to the 6th of October. Yes. I suppose if any artist wants to get involved, get in contact with Neve. Contact with Neve in the picture framers, absolutely. Yeah. Happy Culture Night. Thank you. you too. See you soon. Bye. Thank you. So that was uh, Culture Night in um, the Glone Art Gallery, and it's on for two weeks approximately. I was also in uh, Knockrockley with the Southwest Common Singers Circle and they launched a beautiful book in song and in story and thank you very much. They did do an interview with me but I've only got an hour's programme so I'll go back and look at that again so I will and, and I put um, um, the Singers uh, Cir- Common Singers Circle's uh, programme together. Running out of time, thank you to my guests Danny, Jerry, Julia Hello to Bianca, uh, Rosie and Jerry. Wish you all the best. So I do as well. We'll be here next uh, Wednesday at the same time. Do tune in.